Fantastic. Well, we can take our seats and uh, everyone doing good? You know, I've had a, an interesting week and as I said off the back of that, I just felt that, that God in that moment touched my heart because it's been situations this week that I've come into contact with some people and some of you guys here know the people that I'm talking about and, and situation and it just broke my heart. You know, and, I, and, and it's not right, is it, that the, the enemy would take people out, especially at such a young age and, and, and cause people to be so broken. And I walked into this church with no hope 13 years ago, with almost a last resort. Come on, church. That obviously was my last resort, being my background. I was thinking, church, you're having a laugh. And yeah, like, coming to church. But God restored the brokenness, amen. He can, he can restore and make new broken things. He's the God of the breakthrough. And I just feel encouraged today that I think God's going to move upon your life, amen. Um, so I'm, it's my privilege to share the word of God with you. Pastor Andy is away. Um, he's doing leadership stuff and some incredible things for the kingdom of God, which is, which is brilliant. And I just want to kind of bring us back, if that's okay, um, to kind of the theme of what we were sharing at the beginning of the, of the year about running um, our best lap. Everyone remember the theme, everyone aware, Pastor Shu a couple of weeks ago then shared about on that theme again about being okay with change and he looked at a brilliant message around that and what I want to speak about today comes from Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. So Father, let's just pray. Father, I just thank you for your word that Father, it will go out and do exactly what it needs to do. Father, your word is as sharp as a two-edged sword divided between soul and spirit. Father, and I just believe right now, Lord, that your word would go forth and encourage us and equip us and inspire us, leaving us feeling um, more inspired to go into this world and run this race that you've got for us, Heavenly Father. We just believe that in Jesus' name. Amen. Brilliant. So Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Um, again, it's that scripture that we read at the beginning of the year, and um, it's one that we, we read throughout January and things like this. And it was our verse that was for the year. And it says this, Therefore, since we, that's us, are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that... Hit. Could I... This is echoing quite a lot on the stage. Is there a way I can get this to come down a little bit? Um, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. So in that verse there, verse 2, it says, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. I love that because it's not saying let the leaders run, it's let us as a community of people, let us run the race marked out for us. Isn't that great that every one of us have a race marked out in front of us? Yeah. I can't run your race and you can't run my race. But what's incredible is every one of us have a race to run. And that's an encouraging thing that God doesn't require just leaders to run. Every one of us have this race to run. Um, and as I was preparing this and speaking about this, the word obscurity came up in my mind. Because I think it's, uh, it's a funny thing. Those that know what obscurity means, it's, it's often behind the scenes. It's a season of life which not many people like. It's a season of life that's a bit like, what's going on? Wildernessy, a bit wondering, a bit like unsure. Have anyone experienced a wildernessy type experience where you just think, really, God, what's this? Like, what is this? What's, what is this season that I'm in? Don't be afraid of the obscure seasons of life. Because I believe this is the greatest place of growing and developing. Um, 
you know, when, when we're talking about racing, a lot of what I'm going to speak today about is, is obviously like an athletics run, you know, a, a race. Um, any athletics people in here? Runners? Stu is a professional, what is it, 400 Dave Elms? Oh, we've got some pros, old school pros. But yeah, so, um, Pastor Stu, what was it, 400 metres that you're the champion? 800, there you go, let's see. Any athletics advice, come and speak to Stu afterwards. He'll be down the front. Um, but like the athletic race, the final, often like we see on the TV, don't we, that final, whether it's the Olympics, usually the Olympics is the only final kind of thing that I would watch, but um, that, that race, that kind of explosive, energetic, emotional race, which is like the crowd are screaming and it's like this moment of glory, isn't it? Not for, it's not so much for the people that lose, more for the guy that's won it, do you know what I mean? But um, it's still kind of an emotional event. But that isn't just happened. That isn't like he's just been picked from the crowd and he's gone down like, what, I'm running? Like, let's have some then. Like, you know, it's, not, it's been preparation. He's not stood there with his drink and like a hot dog watching the race and then like, a light shines on him and says, you're called to run the final. It's like, oh, you know, it, there's a preparation that goes into this final. There is a preparation of obscurity where no one is watching. Maybe it might have been years and years of knockdowns. Years and years of saying, nah, he's never going to be good enough. There might be years and years of running with no audience, but knowing you're running towards something that leads to this momentary huge audience where you know why you trained when no one was watching. Don't be afraid of the obscure seasons of life. In fact, encourage them in your life, because if you go through them well, you'll then be able to handle the other stuff well in your life. And I think the best picture I can, I can share with this is King David. We all know the story of King David, but King David was anointed as this young... Ooh, I don't know what happened there. King David, I thought something was about falling me. That's why I stopped. I was like, oh. No, I noticed no one came to run to my rescue. You were just all going to watch like, oh, yeah, he got crushed by the, by the thing. But um, King David was anointed as this young shepherd boy. We know the story. I'm not going to go into the story as such about him, but we know that he was this kid that was almost in the field, not even thought about, right? He was like, no, it's David. No, he, of course he's not going to be the guy that's there. But he was anointed. Even Samuel, this so-called prophet, didn't even think about, hey, what, him? Surely not. But he anointed him. It was him. And he became king. But this didn't happen straight away. There was a season of like, there you go. Go back to your sheep. Go back and look after the sheep. And that season of obscurity was learning how to deal with sheep, how to deal with the enemy, so that in order that he'd be able to deal with the enemy of Israel and deal with Israel as a sheep. He was able to look after these sheep when no one was looking and then able to look after Israel when people were looking because he had learned how to look after the sheep in the obscurity of his life. He learned how to deal with the enemies of the sheep in obscurity when no one was watching. So then comes that day when Goliath is there. Of course he's able to do it because he's already learned how to do it when no one was watching. So don't be afraid of the obscure moments, amen? Encourage them in our lives. We all go through them. So going back to then this race. So obviously in a race, there's always an obscure season, um, an obscure training process and practice. But there's a couple of questions before I move on to a few points. I've got three points in a minute that we're going to look at. But the two questions is this. Um, is this an individual race? Is this that we're, what we're running today, just an individual race where your focus is on yourself? Is this a race that involves you growing or running, or does it involve others around you? And I think it's a really good picture, because in athletics, it's both, isn't it? When you look at an athletics running race, is it a match? What is it? An athletics race? A race, isn't it? Yeah. I was thinking a match, that don't make sense in my head. 
Uh, when you're looking at, at, at these races, they're, they're, they're running for their individual event, but they're running as a greater core. There's Team GB, isn't there? So when these guys are running their 100 meter sprays, unfortunately, England don't do too well in the 100 meters, do we usually? We usually get completely outdone by. But the 100 meters, let's say, Team GB is, the, is the, the team event, but there's also this individual pursuit of the individual running the race. And um, I think we need to have that in our minds because I believe the, the Christian life is both, it's an individual race, right, of you having a pursuit of God, but it's also a team event as us as the body of Christ. And today, the theme of what I'm trying to speak about really is discipleship, is looking at, upon the relay race or the running race of your life regarding discipleship. And I suppose I'm questioning, who are you running with? Who are you running with? You know, and that's a thought we can think about. You can start picturing people in your own life maybe and think, actually, yeah, who am I running with? Is this a race that I'm running? And I think a relay race is a really great picture, isn't it? Everyone familiar with the relay race? That's always an exciting one. That's quite like the end of all the other things. Come on, like, I think we usually do all right in that one, Team GB, don't we? I'm unfamiliar. Do we do, is Team GB do all right in the relay, Russ? Uh, Average, you're saying, okay. All right, not so good. But... Again, um, I think the, the, the picture of this team event um, is important for us to grasp because we're not on this on our own. Um, individual race, we run our own race to build our relationship with God. I think this is the picture we can get, to grow in prayer and the knowledge of his word. You know, your individual race, your training is about praying and about reading the word of God. It's about intimacy and drawing on God, you know. That's the race that you need to run, that in your quiet time, in the, in the life when no one's watching, are you drawing on God? Are you pressing into God? Are you learning to feed yourself with the word of God? And then as a team, as a body, us here right now, these people, us as a team here, we run to see the kingdom of heaven break out in the lives of those around us, amen? Workplaces, schools, families, friendship circles. And this part involves others and seeing them grow in God. So I want us to get the picture of this running race, more like a relay race, that we're not in this on our own, like in our own thing, and it's just me and me, I'm just cracking on and getting on with it. No, no, there's a bigger picture to what we're doing. So this is what I want us to grasp today, that, that it's not just an individual race, that it is a team event. And the second question that I oppose, I'll give to you is, who's your opponent? And I think this is really important in a, in a world in where... Um, Life is a lot about looking at others. Who is your opponent? Often in life, we can look at others around us, can't we? I mean, you know, we can all do it and think we're competing against them. You know, you might even be someone in this room that you think in your head, yeah, I need to get there or I need to be there or they've got this and I need to be above them. And, 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 and life can be like this competition with others. You know, and, and sometimes that is a case. I'll give an example of a job interview. You can't have, like, everyone. You are competing against other people. They can't say... All of you are hired. That would be ridiculous, really, if, if, if that was the case. And, and, it, and it isn't the reality. So there is this competition as such to other people and an opponent. But when it comes to the biblical viewpoint of understanding who our opponent is, I believe we can take it from Ephesians 6.12, which says this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That's people, not against humanity. It's not against our brothers and sisters to the right and to the left. But it's against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. It's not a natural race that we're running 
Everyone's aware of that, right? We're not running this physical race just to better ourselves, to become a better human being and, and be better up in the pay scale and, and in, in, the, in the system's view. We are not here to run a race to get a greater, um, all these other things that are natural. They will come in God, but that's not, that shouldn't, that's not my, that's not my viewpoint of the race I'm running. I'll tell you the race I'm running. It's against the power of darkness that is present on this earth to try and take people to hell. It's against the power of darkness causing people to face depression and anxiety, feeling hopeless like they have no way out. This is the race I'm running against. This is a race against the devil and his evil hosts bringing sickness upon people and robbing them of life. Come on, this is the, let me inspire you and empower you today to realize that this isn't about us. It's much more than that. This is a race to bring the love and life of God to a lifeless and loveless generation. To bring the life of God and love of God where there is no love and there is no life. You know, think of a dry desert, how good it is when the rain comes. That's like you turning up into a broken society. You're like the rain, the water of life breaking out in a dry and parched place. Isn't that a great picture that we need to see that? And, it, and it's not just about you doing church here. It's about you going away and doing church in your everyday situations. This is a race to bring all the power of heaven on earth and eradicate the enemy and his evil plans. See, it's not a race against those to your right and to the left to have conflict with so-and-so and so-and-so. And it's much more, there's not enough time for that kind of stuff. There is a lost world outside the walls and we've been called to the greatest race there is, saving the lost. And being allowed to be used by Christ himself to reach a broken world. Isn't that a privilege? That as a people, it starts with us in our individual race, running the race, but it comes together when together as a community of people, we're able to break out in society and watch the love of God. You know, when I think of the food bank, that is a team event, and it is. When I look at what Annie does and, and how it all works, it's amazing. But it's incredible, right? That, isn't, that, 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 starts, that has to start with a passion on the individual a passion on in the inside that then breaks out to a community of people, that breaks out into society as a team event. It's not just about us, it's about others. It's about who we're running alongside and who we're lifting up. So I've got these three points um, that I want to share. And the first one, I think, is, I I suppose it will help and encourage us in regards to discipleship, is to compare or encourage um, to compare means this, to examine the characters or qualities of especially, uh, of especially in order to discover resemblance or differences. Comparing is not a nice thing. I think society, when you look at it, right, it's built on comparing. You know, those of you who've got Instagram, those of you that have experienced maybe children that have got Instagram and, 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 and that voice of looking and thinking they're much better, they've got more, I need to be like that. That's comparing. What comparing does is leaves leaves you feeling kind of empty, right? It leaves you feeling either like you're better or someone else is better than you. And it's not a nice thing. Comparing is not what we're called to do. This is what encouragement means, to inspire with courage, spirit, or hope. Oh, come on, isn't that a better way? To inspire with courage, spirit, or hope. It's such a contrast to compare or to encourage. In the New Testament, the word is parakleo and can be translated comfort, exhort, and encourage. When we speak in the New Testament of the word um, encouragement, it's parakleo, exhort, comfort. 
it actually goes on to say to call upon someone's um, aid. That's what the word means, to encourage. Comparing often will leave you looking at yourself, going, I'm lacking, I don't have, they're better than me. Anxiety and fear easily grips, grips your heart when you start doing that, and you start feeling lesser. Do you know, the word of God should be the thing you compare yourself to, not people. The word of God should be what shapes our heart and life. The mirror of our life should be the word of God. And we should be living a life of encouragement, not comparing. You know, you have everything you need in Christ. You lack no good thing. That's what my Bible says to me. And I'm like, well, God, I thank you for that. And I'm not going to be bound by comparing myself to, well, they've got this and they've got that. There's no time for such a thing. Like I say, there is a lost world out there that are going to hell. We need to make sure that our lives are not being bound by these things. The first thing we need to do is encourage and not compare. And I just want us to watch a, a video. It's a great analogy, a visual. If you like me, I like visuals um, when it comes to like messages and stuff. And it's a two-minute video um, that I'm going to ask the team to play. And then we're just going to watch this, and I'm just going to speak off the back of it. Johnny has to win and to be sure of taking the title. And right now he seems to have lost control of his legs. And this is worrying. Oh, and he's starting to slow. And there is a little way to go. There's half a K to go. And Johnny is running out of time and is losing. He's losing his sense of direction. This is worrying. Oh, goodness me. This is a horrible sight. Jonathan Brownlee has lost it now and has staggered to a stop at the side of the course. And Alistair's stopped to help him along. And Alistair is going to try and carry his brother home. Dramatic scenes in Cozumel as the Olympic champion carries his younger brother towards the podium. Oh my God, I cannot believe what we are seeing here. Matt, is this allowed? Is he allowed to help his brother? You know, is that part of the rules? I'm not too sure. We've never seen anything like this before. Unbelievable scenes. Unbelievable scenes in Cozumel. The Brownlee brothers arm in arm, but it's not by way of celebration. Henry Schumann's celebrating. He's going to win this race in Cozumel out of nowhere. But we have to be concerned about the health of Jonathan Brownlee and they're not even on the final stretch yet. Schumann wins in Cozumel. The brothers are coming home arm in arm to finish in second and third but Johnny can hardly stand and Alistair is having to drag him across the line and pushing him home, pushing him home for second. Johnny finishes in second. Goodness me, what an incredible conclusion here in Cozumel. I've never seen anything like that anywhere in world sports. Hey, that's a great video, right? It's a great picture and incredible scenes of, of, of what our life should resemble and what our life should look like. And it touches me when I watch that every time, because, <laughs> and I'll get really emotional when I watch it, and it breaks my heart because I think to myself, what an incredible brother. Do you know when I look at this, sorry, I'll get, every time I get emotional because winning isn't about running the race and coming first. It's about did you help someone across the line? 
Did you get someone across the line or did you just run it for yourself? You know, that, that guy, <laughs> they said that he's not celebrating, but in my head, I'm not celebrating with the guy that's winning. It means nothing to me. I'm ignoring him. I'm celebrating with the two that are behind because I'm like, that's the life that I want to live. Laying my life down for my brothers and sisters so that they can reach the goals that they need to reach to. That they can get to where they, they can get to. If that's what I do with my life, then God, let it be. That's what I want. I don't need anything else. I don't need any of the other stuff. I don't need a status of any kind or a title. I just need to know that I've helped someone across the line. See, comparing is, op is, is the very opposite. To compare is insecure, and it leaves you not wanting to help anyone. Makes you think, oh, no, no, I don't, I, I don't want to help them, because that means they're going to be better than me. But we're not called to live that life. We're called to lay our lives down. In fact, the best way I can describe it is that the Bible says I'm called to be dead. Galatians 2.20, and I know this is Pastor Annie's one of his favorite verses. It's one of mine. It's, it's, it's what I live by. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me, and the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with him. I'm not going to come off the cross and start trying to do what I want to do. I'm going to stay with my body, my old self, nailed, and my new life in Christ, walking in the freedom and victory to help others, amen? That's all Jesus did, was to help others get to where they need to get to. In fact, he laid down his life so that others could experience the fullness Romans 12.1 is the Apostle Paul encouraging us. I urge, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is your true and proper worship. That's what worship is, is to lay your life down for the cause of the kingdom and to say, God, use me for what you want. I'm not going to chase what I need and trying to get a better title in life anymore. I'm going to lay my life down for the cause of the kingdom and see you break out. Amen? Amen. So again, looking in the Bible when it comes to comparing, uh, there isn't anywhere where the, there's a command to compare yourself to someone else. There's nowhere when you read the New Testament it says, go and compare yourself to everyone. And, and, and it, it, there isn't there, is it? It just, I don't read it and I don't, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure in the Bible there is no call to go and compare yourself to people and make yourself feel rubbish. In fact, when I look through the New Testament and I've got loads of scriptures, but I'm not going to read them all out for the sake of time, but there is loads where there's encouragement, encouragement, encouragement. Acts 16.4, this, this is my favorite because this is a life surrender to the kingdom of heaven. So Paul and Silas are in prison. This is what it says in Acts 16.40. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, which, again, pause, oh, they're, so they're in prison. That's never nice, is it? That's an experience you probably, you want a little break when you've got out of there. You want a little holiday. Like, oh, that was tough. Like, that was, that was, that was horrible. I need to go and have a two weeks in Barbados or something. Do you know what I mean? But that, we don't read that. In fact, my Bible doesn't have that. If yours does, take it back. Um, it says, after Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house. It is a sister in the Lord, a, a lady that worshipped the Lord and loved the Lord. So they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouragement, encouraged them. Isn't that great? They never had focus for themselves. Most people in prison, the minute they left, they were ready to go and encourage the brothers and sisters. They were ready to go and inspire them and encourage them. Remember what encourages exhort, comfort. They always had their focus on others. And then they left. Where did they go? Probably to the next place to encourage as well. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. 
Be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Isn't that grace? Isn't that great that you're called to encourage one another? It's the calling of, of, of the life of the kingdom of heaven, to encourage, not put down, not find fault, not pull apart, but to lift up and encourage. If you haven't got anything good to say, go and say it to the wall. That's what I would say in my own life. Go and say, because it isn't encouraging. If it's going to bring down, there's no point saying it. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Come on. Ephesians 6.22. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, that he may encourage you. The, the apostle Paul sending his disciples out and, and those that are with him. Colossians 4, 7 and 8. Tychius will tell you all this news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances, that he may encourage your hearts. Encourage your hearts. That's all Paul wanted to do, was encourage the brothers and sisters in the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 3.2, we sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. I love that. It's all about that. And this is the one I love. 1 Thessalonians 3.7 is almost a return of the encouragement. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distresses and persecutions, this is now Paul saying, we are encouraged about you because of your faith. Paul's also being encouraged by the brothers and sisters as well as encouraging. It's a mix of being encouraged by you and you encouraging me. We encourage one another. Nowhere does Paul say, I am sending you to criticize the things you do. and to It doesn't say it, does it? Because we're not called to that. We're called to encourage. And so my encouragement today is this. Look at those around you and think, am I speaking life or death? Am I in lifting up? And you're talking, I'm talking non-Christians as well, because discipleship starts in the school playground. It starts with the people not knowing God, because it's them that need calling. So discipleship starts there. And it starts by allowing the love of God to break out in your life and let them see the goodness of God in your life that then will lead them to the Lord, that then they get saved and then they start walking with God, right? But it starts there first. And it's about encouraging people, about walking with people and lifting people up. So that's the first thing, to encourage and comfort. The second point is slightly shorter, and it says this. Um, the first one is to focus forward and stay in lane. I think this is really important when it comes to a race. Bear in mind, to encourage, uh, when you think of a race, a relay race specifically, if the person isn't encouraged, you've seen them encouraged, right? They scream at the people with the, with the baton, like as they're giving it to the next person, they're screaming to encourage them on to, 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 to the next thing. And I think when it comes to running these races, we need to be forward focused and we need to stay in our lane. Um, Hebrews 12, 1 and 3, um, we read earlier 1 and 2, but 1 and 3, it says, um, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then in verse 3 it says this, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. And I love this, that Jesus, when you read it, constant opposition wasn't there in his life of religious people coming at him and things like this. But we need to make sure that our eyes are fixed on him. Our eyes aren't fixed on things around us. The only way, the Bible says here, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. He gives the answer to how to do this. Next bit, fix our eyes on Jesus. That's the only way that you'll be able to run the race, by fixing your eyes on him. And as you fix your eyes on him, 
your life is then focused on the right things, which means then ultimately the distractions of life won't come in and start swaying you away from the lane you're meant to be running. We have to be Jesus-focused in all we do. When we take our eyes off Jesus, the distractions of life can take us out of the lane God has us in. And I, I think this is really important because then we end up in a place we're not meant to be. And we start questioning, how did I get here? And the cares of this world slowly drip-fed you in. And I picture it like this, that drifting in God isn't this whole deception. It's, it's, quite, it's deceiving, obvious. Um, it doesn't happen Im- immediately, does it? It's not like one day you wake up and you're really far from God. Being distracted by the things of the world happens slowly. Day by day, you think, oh, I'm not that far, I'm not that far, I'm still not that far. But before you know it, in a year, you're very far. And you're distracted and out of focus of what you were doing. And you question what's happened. And the reality is, there's distractions of life. And I've experienced it. I'm only saying it from what I've experienced. When you allow things to take you away from like, your intimacy with God and your relationship with God and your walk with God and your focus isn't on Jesus anymore, before you know it, you're, the cares of the world have become your thing. Have I got this? Have I got that? Have I got that? And, you, and your mind is then consumed with things. Jesus wants you to focus on him. He says in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. Everything else will be cared for. We've got that privilege in God of not having to worry about such things, amen? So my encouragement is stay focused. Focus on Jesus. Um, there's some more scriptures, but I'm not going to go for the sake of time. I'm going to jump onto the next point. Um, but my encouragement, everyone got that to, to, to focus forward? Is that sunk in? I just want to encourage you with that. Because for me, that's one of the things I think the world loves to do. Send distraction. Just when you're getting pressing into God, you, things will start happening, don't they? And start kicking off. And before you know it, you're swayed. And you're like, what's, don't allow those things to sway you. Yes, deal with them. Don't ignore such things. But keep the focus on Jesus in everything you do. And I think when it comes to a relay race... <clears throat> And it comes to us in this walk with God. The third point is receiving and giving. Um, In Matthew 10, um, verse 8, Jesus said this, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received. Everyone received Christ in here. It's the Christians, people that love God. You've received the goodness of God. But Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give. In a relay race, it's important that you know how to receive, but also give. Um, if you don't, it's not going to work. And the relay race doesn't, it's not a relay race, is it? It's just a race um, with someone holding a stick, running around. Um, we need to learn how to pass the baton on or give the baton. And I think the best analogy of this is every time you hear a message, you're here on Sunday. I'm here on Sunday. I'm hearing this. I'm hearing this through the week. We're receiving messages all the time. You know, I listen to podcasts of preachers all over there, and we're receiving all the time. But are we holding on to it like a relay runner with a baton, just running around smiling like, oh, it's me, I've got it. Or are we giving it? Are we giving it away to people? Are we receiving here today and then allowing it to flow out of our lives? Are we holding it to ourselves till we get so full that we're just spiritually, oh, too much? Are we just holding it for ourselves or are we allowing it to flow through our lives so that others and everyone else can be impacted? Let the overflow of your life delve into every area of your life. Like I said, the school playgrounds, the, the, the school environment with your kids or, or whatever area it might be. It, it might be a workplace that is just so far from God where you can let the love of God pour out in that workplace by the way, just the way you live, just the way in which you talk to people. Allowing what you've learned to pour out and have it on your mind Monday morning when you go in to wherever it is you're going. I think the picture of um, Peter 
in the book of Acts is, is a brilliant picture of him receiving and giving. In Acts 2, 1 and 4, it's the day of Pentecost. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and we know they were in the upper room. And suddenly a sound, um, a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And then all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is great. I mean, this is brilliant, isn't it? God, I want to be there. This is amazing. Like, Spirit of God's forward. I don't know. I can't picture it in my mind. I'm quite imaginative, but my mind goes wild with that, like what it looked like. But Peter didn't go, right, lock the doors. Oh, this is for us. Oh, this is brilliant. Like just soaking in the, the fire of God and allowing it to like, I don't know, it would have been all consuming, wouldn't it, if he didn't let it out. But it was just the power of the Holy Spirit just moving upon them and then just closed the doors to the world and said, oh, this is just for us. That would have been the end of the book of Acts and the end of the Gospels and the end of the, the New Testament. It ended there in the upper room and they loved God. And then they, it doesn't, does it? They went and took what happened in that place and they exploded into the world. They exploded on the face of what is Europe now, taking the Gospels. The kingdom of heaven exploded. That very day, 3,000 were added. Because the doors, what, what had been received was not held onto, but given away. Laid down as a sacrifice. Romans 12.1. Paul lived it. That's why he preached it. Your life being on the altar of God, laid out for others to take hold of it. If we don't go, who will go? If we're not willing to carry our brothers and sisters, this isn't just for non-Christians, this is for, you know, your brothers and sisters that are new Christians, lifting people up, walking alongside people, but also you being in a place where you've got someone else lifting you up. This is brothers and sisters in arms, together, walking on the face of the earth, as the body of Christ is exactly what it's meant to be, walking in power and authority, taking back, the, remember our opponent is not humanity, the devil himself, coming against the powers of wickedness with the love of God. Come on, I'm encouraged by this. I want to allow my life to be laid down. I want to take what I'm hearing in the word and I want to be able to give it out. Peter's life became a vessel to receive and pour out and so did Paul's and so did all of them and to death, most of them. Um, and so the Christian life, as I said, is about growing in our walk with God, but it's also about allowing your life to carry the goodness of God to others around you, encouraging them to the next level. And so the questions I'll leave you with this morning, I want us to stand in a minute and we're going to pray and I want us to do something, but the question I have for you is, who's on your track? Who in your world is around you that you know needs lifting up and encouraging, that needs time, that needs to be sat down with, maybe once a week for a coffee and opening your Bible and helping them get to the next level where they need to get to? To lay aside sometimes your own things so that others can grow and develop in God. Who in your world needs mentoring? Because we all need it, right? We all need helping and growing and developing. We can't do this on our own. We're called to a team event. Yes, we have the individual race. But I know there's people in my life that lifted me up in times of need, right? Anyone else experienced that when you, you were down? Come on, you can put your hands up. I want to see those hands. You know, when you were down and you were lifted up by someone, imagine they weren't there for you. You'd have stayed down, right, for a lot longer than probably was intended. But we're called to walk alongside each other and help one another and love one another. Not beat each other down, but lift each other up. So I just leave you with that, is this. Who in your world needs you to be everything that God's called you to be? To love people, to lay down life, and to walk with the fullness of God. 
in every area of your life. And you know what? We're going to pray. And I just, um, we're going to pray two things. I want to pray in a minute for anyone that's never known God. Maybe you've not even entered the, the stadium and you've not entered the race and you're not even on the track and you're not even running in the race to know God. And that's fine because we can invite you into a relationship to know him today. But I want us, if you're comfortable, just to stand with me, if that's okay. And if you're comfortable, just... If, if you aren't, that's fine. Maybe just raise your hands. But if you are, put your, I want everyone to just put their arms around on the shoulders of each other next to you. Because I want to picture that we're together, that we're running this race together, that, that, that you're not stood on your own. Even if it feels like you're on your own, you're not. And I want us to be encouraged that this running race of discipleship is about us running together, helping one another, lifting one another up. So let's just pray. Father, I thank you that Lord, we're committed to running this race together, to laying our lives down for the good of your kingdom and to have eyes to see when someone needs us, Lord, and to let your love pour out. Father, may today we grow friendships like we never knew we had, be encouraged like we never knew we could. And may your love just be poured out in your house today in fellowship, in friendship and in love. Father, I thank you that your house is a place of love. In Jesus' name. Hey, just, you can take your arms off of each other, but just let's just keep standing and let's keep your eyes closed for a moment. We're gonna pray. And I just wanna invite anyone that doesn't know God into relationship with him. And you can pray a simple prayer and repeat it after me. And it, just repeat this church. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. I believe in him. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. I turn away from my old way of living and I walk in the fullness of who you are. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. All things new. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that for the first time this morning or coming back to God, whatever your circumstance may look like. I just want, while everyone's eyes are closed and our focus is on Christ, just to raise your hand so that I can pray for you this morning. Is anyone here today that wants to make right with God, that wants to come back to knowing God? There's a hand, there's a hand, there's a gentleman at the back. Praise God. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else that needs to make right with God? Remember the Bible says that all things become new. The old is gone and the new has come. This isn't about your works. This is about you believing in the son that died for you. Father, I thank you for this one hand, this gentleman, this this life being set free. All things new. Life never the same again. I believe that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, awesome.